You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Good to be back in the house of the Lord. Uh, for those that are watching online, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's it's interesting, right, that um, that a lot of us are going online right now, but we're still the church. Uh, the church isn't necessarily the building, but it's the people. Uh, so we're glad that you've joined us. We're glad for those who are here tonight. Uh, this past weekend has been a, a joy uh, with the Reveal Conference and all those who have come out to to hear the word of the Lord, to be inspired, and to implement that in their lives, to be uh, empowered for mission. Uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, the Free Methodist Church on their Facebook page, partnered with the National Prayer uh, Committee, uh, have been putting out prayers all weekend. Uh, just people and pastors and, and leaders from across the the nation praying for our churches and praying for people uh, with this coronavirus and everything that is going on with that, and they you know praying against fear. Uh, so we just want to partner with them and let them know that we are also praying against this fear and that that the church will continue to take a stand on being the church. Uh, so let's just dive into uh, the word for tonight. Uh, staying in in line with uh, with what was being spoken about at, at Reveal. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about seeking fire, seeking fresh fire in the Lord. Uh, so let us pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Father, for the power of who you are and the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And thank you, Lord, for the freedom to gather in this place. Lord, I pray that every ear that is listening, Lord, uh, may it be open to hear. Lord, may, may every heart start to be stirred in Jesus' name. God, may we, may we not... Uh, get through this message without learning something new, without being uh, convicted in some kind of way or being encouraged in some kind of way, and Lord, just being impacted and empowered in some kind of way so that, Father, we can draw closer to you, become more like Jesus. Lord, you are so good. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. I'm going to ask this all in Jesus' name, empowered by Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so this idea of, of fire, whenever you uh, look throughout the Bible, fire typically has a few purposes. Uh, sometimes you know, there's this fire that is on the altar, there's the fire of Holy Spirit, fire representing the presence of God, fire is being used for worship and sacrifices. God's purification and power, God's judgment, His zeal, and of course the common use, they would use fire to cook their meals. Uh, when I think of fire, I also know, you know, whenever you think of fire, most people also think of hell. But there's this holy fire. And there's a hellish fire. And I just want to know, which one are you seeking? Which one are you living? So the word fire uh, is mentioned about 510 times in Scripture. Uh, if we learn anything from yesterday at the Reveal Conference, if it's repeated, it's probably important. Uh, so here's some, some instances where, where fire is, uh, is mentioned. In Genesis 15, uh, Abram sees a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. In Exodus 3, it's, it's a burning bush in the desert that calls Moses and gives him his word and his call to go, let the, to go set the Israelites free to, to deliver them. Throughout the Old Testament, there are lamps and lampstands that are mentioned and a flame is lit from the oil inside the lamp. In Judges 13... 
There is the Manoah offered on the, uh, the goat on the flame. And the angel of the Lord entered the flame. In Proverbs 26, it says, for the, for the lack of wood, the fire goes out. Isaiah 4, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. In Jeremiah 5, Zechariah 2, Malachi 2, Matthew 3, John the Baptist is crying out. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry and untie. He will baptize you with fire and Holy Spirit. In Matthew 13, it says that the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And of course, as we mentioned a little bit yesterday, and if you are learning about Holy Spirit, you cannot pass up Acts chapter 2. When they were gathered in one place together, and Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind, and flames of fire separated and landed on all who were there. And of course, it's always good to mention too that there were 120 gathered in that place, and Holy Spirit fire rested on all of them. So let's focus for a minute on the aspect of fire on the altar for sacrifices. So when a sacrifice is offered, and when it was offered, it was either a pleasing aroma to the Lord or it wasn't. He had specific stipulations, right? He had to be blemish-free. And this, this uh, specific type of animal at this time of the year, and this was all a part of God's plan. But then Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice and, that, uh, and to be the sacrificial lamb. So those sacrifices were no longer needed. You no longer had to go to the market and pick out some animal or you no longer had to take a sheep or something from your own livestock to sacrifice it because Jesus came to do that. Whenever Jesus came and after he was hung on the cross and, and, and put in the grave, he was conquering the fire of hell for you and for me. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. As followers of Jesus, we must have this strong passion and desire to live for, to love, and to honor Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Getting to a place of complete devotion to Him. To loving Him, to choosing Him over ourselves and our own desires. Allowing His standards and His instructions to be implemented into our lives. Instead of trying to take His word and try to fit it into what we want. Amen. That's part of what is... It looks like to go through the fire as a sacrifice. We're allowing God to take his fire, to put it, us through it, and to put his fire in us so that you and I can be purified. So we can be pleasing and honoring to the Lord. So that we can be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 14, Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel, for the power of God. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Jesus tells his disciples that he must leave and it is better that he leaves so that Holy Spirit can come to rest on them and to live within them. In John 14, 26, Jesus says, 
that that is true for them and that they need to go and wait in the upper room so that they can receive the promise that God wants to give them. In 2 Timothy, when saying to fan into flame the gift of God, so that power, that love, and a sound mind means that the Spirit is that that the Spirit's work in you is not automatic. That it takes your willingness to say, Lord, here I am. What do I need to change and transform in my life so that I can become more like you? So that my life is this pleasing aroma to you, so that I can live with power, with love, and with a sound mind. It says that we did not receive a spirit of fear. And that's a word so precious for us today. Someone needs to hear that day, that we did not receive a spirit of fear when we came to the Lord. Because guess what? Holy Spirit is not a coward. Like God told Zechariah, Holy Spirit is a wall of fire around us. An iron wall amidst danger and enemies. This is so important to note today. Because it doesn't matter what is happening around us. It doesn't matter what is happening in our life, what we come up against or who comes up against us. And what matters is what Holy Spirit is doing within us and how Holy Spirit is protecting us and guiding us and giving us that power, that love, and that sound mind. Fear has no place when Holy Spirit is in charge. This power, this power to to encounter our enemies and win. This power to, to stand strong during trials. This power to have a word against opposition. This power to be triumphant in persecution. This power that comes from on high. It says that you will be clothed with power on high. And then this love, this love for God and this love for others. Right? Two of the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and love others as yourself. How do we do that? If we, we do that through Holy Spirit living within us. Holy Spirit gives us the power to love those who seem to be hard to love. Holy Spirit gives us the power to love those that, that maybe we wouldn't have considered to, to love. And, and this love that Holy Spirit gives us is the love of Jesus, which gives us this willingness to lay down our lives, to put aside our schedule, to lay down our preconceived judgments and interact with those that we come in contact with and see them and recognize them as a brother and sister in the Lord. And then this sound mind, right? So uh, uh, give you power, love, and a sound mind. So this sound mind is a sober mind under the right influence, under the influence of Jesus Christ and not of the enemy and not of the world. Gives you discretion, gives you a pure mind, an honest mind, a mindset that is set on Christ, that is set on the kingdom of God and on things above. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 says, Do not get drunk on wine, for that is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. How do we do that? By seeking Holy Spirit, by seeking after Jesus and seeking God and allow Holy Spirit to do the work that he desires to do within us. Bishop Ware, in the Orthodox way, he says the whole aim of the Christian life is to be a spirit bearer, to live in the spirit of God and to breathe the spirit of God, to be filled with Holy Spirit and to be filled with Holy Spirit. We need to take heed to what First Thessalonians 519 says, it says do not quench the spirit. So what does it mean to to quench the spirit, to put out, to ignore, to reject, not be devoted to, to cover it up? 
Right? So um, as a child, we always sing the song in Sunday school, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Don't put that light under a bushel. Don't put that light out, but let your light shine. Then how do you do that? Because of the light that lives within you. Because the Holy Spirit's presence within you. And there's another way of how we quench the Spirit by not giving Him the time that He needs to work in us. To not properly recognize and care for what He has entrusted us to. Part of being in a Christian is to be a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. And Holy Spirit is the gift that God entrusted to you to steward well. Paul equates despising and rejecting the Spirit's expression to putting out the Spirit's fire. Don't rebuke the use of spiritual gifts. For any of God's people to repress or reject the orderly use of the gifts can result in the loss of Holy Spirit's activity among believers. Why do we throw cold water on those who tend to be exuberant and inspired by God? To be influenced and empowered by Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because we want the so-called order. Maybe it's because it calls us to a new level of dependency on God that we haven't experienced or witnessed or we're not willing to get to. Maybe we're just uncomfortable with it. But, but what follows verse 19 and verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Welcome the spirits moving. Paul tells us to desire the gift, especially the gift of prophecy and test it and not shut it down. God is a God of order. And he wants the spirit to be utilized and to be impactful and to be empowering his believers so that we can operate fully as the body of Christ. There's a world out there lost that, that is overcome by the power of the enemy and they need the power of God to enter into their lives so that their life is completely changed forever. That they can be transformed and turned around. Our empty words and our empty actions cannot do it. It has to be by the power of God. Bishop Ware continues to go on in the Orthodox way. He says, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is likened to fire. When the paraclete comes down upon the first Christians on the day of Pentecost, it is in cloven tongues as a fire. Like the wind, fire is elusive, alive, free, ever moving, not to be measured, weighed, or constricted within narrow limits. We can feel the here, the, the heat of the flames, we cannot enclose and retain them in our hands. You know, Stephen calls out the council in Acts and he goes, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not naive to think that everyone who calls themselves a Christian is open to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their lives. And I'm not naive to, to even believe that maybe everyone in this place or everyone who's watching online isn't fully open to receive what Holy Spirit wants to do in their heart and how he wants to empower them. But Stephen calls us out in that. And if we are not willing to do that, then we are a stiff-necked people. And God isn't interested in working with stiff-necked people. Stephen is talking to us today. Have we been persecuting the work of the Lord in the church? Holy Spirit is with us right now. And we ignore him and deny him. And, and we're ignorant to his promptings and to his moving. And the church, the capital C church today needs to wake up, repent, and seek after him. 
Throughout Acts and other places of Scripture, it says that Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. And we just read Ephesians chapter 5. If something was written about your life and you had passed away, what would your tombstone say? Would it say something like was written about Paul or Stephen? Would it say... John, full of the Holy Spirit. Would it say, Tammy, full of the Holy Spirit? Or would it say some other slogan that has nothing to do with the Lord? What kind of influence are you providing to the people around you? Are you known because of the Spirit within you? Or are you known for living against the Spirit? Are you known for living in the world? Because the answer to that question is a good starting point with your belief and understanding of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as people in the church, you know, we talk a lot about methods and, and ways to preach the gospel, uh, you know, how to preach the gospel and about getting people saved. But I think we need to rethink and add on to that. Yes, we need to get people saved, but we need to get people saved and filled. Because getting saved, yes, sets you free, but getting filled keeps you free. And too often, we encounter people who continue to be in a cycle over and over and over and over and over again that is detrimental, not only to their bodies, but to their heart, to their mind, to their emotions. And I just can't help but think, but why? Well, maybe they're saved and not filled. Maybe they aren't seeking and and embodying and being empowered by that fresh fire. Because the last time I checked, every time fire is mentioned, it's a purifying fire. It's a fire that brings freedom. In Galatians 5, it says, live by the Spirit, not the flesh. Well, how can you live by the Spirit if you don't accept, recognize, and honor the Spirit? How can can we reject Holy Spirit's presence and guidance and movement, but try to stand boldly and say, I'm living by the Spirit? We can't. It's impossible. And whenever they were, after they were persecuted by, by the council, they gathered it. Together once again, and they asked Holy Spirit for boldness so they can continue to go forward. A lot of us, the people that we encounter, don't know that we're a Christian outside of Sunday morning or Sunday evening. Because we're not living embodied and empowered by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul tells us, My speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Too many people today, especially in the church... Or relying on how fluffy and how eloquent the pastor's message is. And there's nothing wrong with being with having an eloquent message. But there's something wrong with having an eloquent message without the power of God behind it. And in Acts 4 it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's an encouragement to me. Because that says I don't have to be fully educated. I don't have to have common sense. Not as long as I'm partnering with the power of God. Amen. The path is straight and narrow. It's made simple. So do you talk more about deep, complicated theology? Or do you talk about Jesus? Are your conversations drenched in the mundane daily duties? The fear that the news has given you? Or are you expressing your joy and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as you encounter Holy Spirit on a daily basis? 
You know, whenever I think of John Wesley, uh, there's, a, there's a particular moment in John Wesley's life. And here's an excerpt from one of his journals. He says, about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, he says, I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt that I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation and, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins. Yes, even mine and saved me from the law of sin and death. And after this experience, about a month later or so, he shared another experience that he had with the Lord. He said that the love of God was shed abroad in my heart and a flame kindled there so that my body was almost torn asunder. I loved The spirit cried strong in my heart. I trembled. I sung. I joined my voice with those that excel in strength. You know, especially because we're in a free Methodist church today, and maybe those who are listening aren't all free Methodists. But throughout the Methodist uh, movement, people got saved, knocked on the ground, delivered from demons, raised to life, healed, and so much more. And what are we doing today in the church? Not enough of that. Free Methodism, as it, is, as it stems of, yes, freedom of all races to worship, freedom of women and men to be treated equally, freedom of the poor to be treated with dignity, freedom of the, of the lady and, and, and clergy to have equal authority. And according to an article written by Denny Wayman for the Light and Life magazine, uh, he says that there's a fifth one, and a freedom of Holy Spirit to inspire our worship, which includes how we worship with song, but also express our devotion to God. Having Holy Spirit-led discipleship for growth and, and maturity of faith. There's a significant part of, super, of a supernatural empowerment and influence in the Free Methodist Church in our heritage. And we have stepped away from that and we need to step back in. We can't seek someone that we don't know about. We can't seek someone that we're not willing to recognize that there's more to learn. Have you read the Bible to see how Holy Spirit moves? Where he is and what he does and who he is. He's a person. And a person, as far as I know, has characteristics and traits and a heart to understand and partner with. Are you aware of when he moves and how he comforts and how he connects, how he helps and fills, how he embodies and gives boldness? Right? So, so often he's called the comforter and the helper. Have you allowed him to be your comforter and your helper? Are you aware of his presence in scripture? Because I've met a lot of people who just kind of glaze over Holy Spirit whenever they read about it. Instead of reading Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, okay, so Stephen was a Christian and he did blah, blah, blah. So I know that there's a reason why filled with the Spirit is in there. John Wesley goes on to continue. He goes, we must not be ashamed to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We must demonstrate the power of Gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. We must become like the early spirit-filled Christians, boldly proclaiming Christ and living for him in every aspect of our lives. When was the last time that you you had an experience like John Wesley where your heart was strangely warmed? We are to be a spirit-led and spirit-filled movement. We're supposed to be a spirit-led and spirit-filled church. We need to return to and seek a fresh fire from heaven. I like what what Mario Marula says in his book, Fresh Fire. He says, long before we petition a congressman, lay down in front of an offering, uh, lay down in front of an offending clinic, 
yell at demons or anything else, we must first have a new day of Pentecost. We must stop the most compelling activities and form upper rooms in every self-respecting, spirit-filled ministry in America. Why can't we just admit that we need fresh fire? Does the idea of power falling on us threaten the hierarchy because the simplest saint can see the need and go to God directly? Have we lived so long without it that we dread the embarrassment of admitting our own need? Whatever the reason, we are no longer able to justify sparing egos. We are powerless and need a new outpouring of the Spirit. And my question, are you willing to form an upper room in your own personal life? To form an upper room with the leadership at, at, at your church? To form an upper room with your prayer group or your accountability group? Because here's the thing, you and I are in desperate need of a fresh outpouring. We need another day of Pentecost so that God can create communities of believers that are reproducing His character. So they can go out into the world and minister to those who are lost and powerless. Mario continues, he said, we should be embarrassed. Look at Peter in Acts 3 and 4. He was in the upper room. He saw, he saw the tongues of fire. He tasted the day of Pentecost. Yet within two chapters, he's, he is ordering the church back together for another endowment. You might be saying, well, Pastor Stephen, 10 years ago, I had that experience. Or back in the 80s, I had that experience. Okay, well, what are you doing today? If Scripture says I can have another filling of Holy Spirit, then I want it. Because the world's a little different than it was 10 years ago. There's some new things that we're coming up against that we need His boldness, authority, and power to get through. And what does Peter pray in Acts chapter 4? He says, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. Peter and those gathered who, yes, were at that moment in Acts chapter two, a couple chapters later saying, God, there's some things happening where we need more boldness. As I look at the world today and I, and I look at the position of the church, guess what? The church needs some more boldness. And it's not enough just for one person to have that. If, if there's only one person, absolutely, God will use him or her. But God would rather use the community of the church to go out and be bold together. To be and operate as the body of Christ needs to operate. Peter saw the importance of returning back to that secret place, if you will. That secret place of being in prayer and communion with Holy Spirit. To get revived, refreshed, refilled, and reordered and realigned with the purpose and the will of God. You know, I've heard this phrase and, and I've used it. And I've, and I've even heard um, some pastors preach on it. It says you're filled to get poured out. But then there's another step. Too often we're filled and we pour out, but we never return to get refilled again. We try to rely on something that happened five years ago to get us through the next five years. I don't know about you, but I need to get refilled 500 times a day, it seems. Because <laughs> here's the thing. If God has it, I want it. We need to stay connected to our source. Our power. We can't make it on our own fuel and our own ability. As Christians, we, we, are, we are under spiritual attack, right? It says over and over again that the enemy is out there prowling around. 
like a lion to devour. Satan is real. I hate him. I hate the devil. His demons are real and they attack and they oppress and they possess. They cause chaos and harm. And how are we supposed to be battling in this spiritual battle when we're not allowing Holy Spirit to empower us? That's why we're told to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians. God provides us the supernatural weapons that we need so we can stand firm on the word of God and stand true on the word of God so that the word of God can be promoted. So that way kingdom of heaven can come here on earth. Where he says, put on the helmet of salvation. You know why you need a helmet of salvation? Because that helmet also covers your ears. Sometimes there are some lies, some fears, anxieties, and doubts that come into your mind that the Lord says, no, 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 that's not who I am. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you the truth. Let me guard your ears so that you have a moment to hear what my word actually says. Just put on the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure your heart is covered. Because the heart is also deceiving. Put on the belt of truth. There's a lot of people out there claiming one thing or another, and sometimes they like to twist the word of God. But if you want your pants to stay up, you've got to put the belt of truth on. Put on the shoes of good news and of peace. There's a lot of chaos out there. Peace is a strong thing. Have you gone through some chaotic situations, but then someone walks in and peace just overtakes? That changes a whole situation. Take up the shield of faith that blocks the fiery darts of the enemy and hold on to the sword of the spirit. And when I think of the sword of the spirit, I'm like, I know that that sword of the spirit kills, destroys, and demolishes any and every attack of the enemy. They cannot stand. That's why we need the armor of God on in this spiritual battle. Do demons tremble at the thought of your life? Or are they not concerned with you? If John Wesley is enough for us to believe our heritage in the Free Methodist Church, let's go to B.T. Roberts and what he says in his book, Fishers of Men. In his chapter on feelings, he says, no movement becomes great and permanent until it takes hold of the feelings of men. The intellect may be informed and the judgment convinced and men remain passive and quiet. But let the emotions become aroused and energetic actions will follow. Are you allowing Holy Spirit to engage in all of your being? Yes, even your emotions. In order to love God and receive the joy of God and the peace of God, you have to allow your emotions to be involved. We cannot serve a God who gives emotions without emotions. Because he knows that once he can have those and he can embody those and he can empower those and he can enlighten those, that he knows that you will then serve him with all that you have because you, you are believing in, in what he wants you to do. Jack Deere in his book, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, he says, Obedience without emotions is nothing more than discipline or willpower. It is not love. You cannot take the passion out of love and still have love. True love manifests itself not only in acts but also in feelings. Affection and passion are indispensable aspects of the love of God. Psalm 27, 4, David is asking, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of, in His temple. That sounds pretty passionate to me. Sounds like David has emotions and a desire to be intimate with God, to 
to be moved by the presence of God? Is your heart moved by God? Later on in B.T. Roberts' book, he has a chapter on baptism of the Spirit. He says, we cannot impart to others what we ourselves do not possess. There's a difference between the one who ministers the Spirit and the one who relies upon, who relies upon the logical presentation of truth. But when truth is empowered and partnered with the Spirit, nothing else can stand. This power from on high is the great and essential qualification for those who would labor for the salvation of others. And he even goes on to quote Charles Spurgeon. He says, The Holy Spirit is able to make the word as successful now as in the days of the apostles. He can bring in hundreds and thousands as, as easily as he can bring in one and two. The reason why we are not more prosperous is that we have not the Holy Spirit within us, In might and in power. Mental power fills the chapel, but spiritual power fills the capital C church. Mental power may gather a congregation, but spiritual power will save souls. When I read throughout the book of Acts, what do I see happening? That the word of God is partnered with the power of the spirit. And what happens? Thousands come to the Lord. People are added daily to their gathering. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be prepping sermons as pastors or or prepping for our small groups and our home groups. I'm saying, but as you are prepping and as you take a stand on the podium or as you take a a seat at, at the small group to lead, allow there to be an interruption by the spirit. Allow there to be influenced by the spirit and allow the words that you have to be surrendered to the spirit. Because that is when hearts are changed and lives are transformed. People don't want a God who just gives orders and rules. But one who also gets involved and is aware of their lives. Who is willing to encounter them where they are at. And how does he do that? By the power of the spirit that is living within you. Let me try to wrap this up real quick. So that you and I can seek this fresh fire together. I recognized that after I got baptized in the spirit at the age of 16, that the way that I ministered, how I viewed others and how I viewed God and how I partnered with God, the boldness and the ability to preach the word, to hear his voice, how to pray, how to connect with other people. It was different. And I came to Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. It says, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Why did God rescue the Israelites out of Egypt? They were his children. They were his people. They were his nation. Holy Spirit was given to us so that we can become God's children. To become God's son. To become God's daughter. 
We have not received the spirit that is of this world, but the spirit that is within us that is the spirit of God so that we can know and acquire the things of the Lord. By being a son and a daughter, I talk about this so I'm blue in the face. I'll talk about this so I go to my grave. That we have access to what heaven has. And it can be implemented here on earth as we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes before we can seek the fire and power from heaven, we need a breakthrough. Sometimes we need to repent of our sins and the stubbornness of our heart. To get rid of that shame and guilt. God wants you to live in that freedom. We need to surrender our own will, our own desire, our own passions and plans to pick up what God's are. We need to get rid of the offense that we have towards the gospel and Holy Spirit. And like Samuel say, speak, your servant is listening. Nothing further. Not speak, your servant is listening, only if. Leave it open-ended. Lord, here I am, your servant is listening. Just lay your life at the altar. Be placed on the fire. Let's look at the prayer of Paul one more time. It says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So where are you at today? Have you been seeking this fresh fire? Have you been willing to surrender your life to God and say, God, your servant is listening. Here I am. Have you been willing to sacrifice and surrender your own plan, your own will, your own preconceived thoughts on who God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are and allow them to be who they actually are? I'm tired of a church that is, that is trying to fit God into what they think God is. And, and, and we need to get to a place to just allow God to be who he is. Because then, and only then, can you and I be who God calls us to be. That's when we become our true self and our full self in the Lord. That's when we are wearing that badge of being a son and a daughter of God in its entirety, in its fullness. God wants his people to live in the fullness that he provides. And how do we do that? Through Holy Spirit. And maybe you're listening, and maybe you're here today. It's like, man, I want that. I haven't had that. I want that. Well, let us pray for you today. Let us encourage you. Let us, let us comfort you. Let us, let us pray for empowerment for you. If you're listening online, just say, God, here I am. I'm listening. I want more. And seek after God with all that you have. Read the word. Pray. Sit in silence and listen. 
Meditate on the word of the Lord. Put on some worship music and just soak. However you connect with God, do that and ask for more. Because I will tell you, he won't just dangle it over you. He wants to give it to you. Because he wants a people called by his name to live empowered by his spirit. I'm going to call the worship team out. And as they are, are playing and singing and worshiping the Lord, just search your heart. Look at your life. Are you living like those in the Bible? Are you living like those from the upper room? Are you living empowered? Are, are you living in a way that people recognize that there's something different about you because of the presence of God upon you? Or do you look like everybody else? Like, hey, God doesn't want you to look and live like everybody else. If you're present with us today and you would like some prayer, I'll be over here in the corner. Uh, for those online, I just want to say a prayer for you real quick before we, before we jump into, into worship. But again, even during worship, just, just ask God for more. Say, God, here I am. I, I want more of you. Give me that fresh.